0: Good to see everybody, man. We got a full, full day, so I'm going to go ahead and hop directly in to the sermon. It's baptism Sunday. who's excited for that? Uh, Man, we had a packed house for our nine o'clock service. We had uh, six or seven, I can't remember off the top of my head. People get baptized in first service. Uh, Just an awesome day, excited for what uh, this service holds as well. We are in the middle, well, actually, we're at the end. It's crazy, man, where did time go? We're at the end of our series, Here and Now, Here and Now. It's a series we've done the last few years. Uh, where we focus on our building project, but we also uh, talk about faith in the midst of it. We don't just focus on the building. We talk about what God uh, is doing in our church as a whole. Uh, but the whole thrust of the series, the whole thrust of here and now, is this idea that so often in the church and so often in our personal lives, we can get focused in and just just completely obsessed with what God is going to do one day, right? Like we, we say things like, the best is yet to come, right? Like the, the best is yet to come as if, God's power and what God wants to do for us just exists off in some future. But what we've been wanting to discuss and what we've been talking about is that God's best for us is right here and right now. That any day in the faithfulness of God is a good day, amen? That any day walking in the goodness of God is a great day. And so that's why we name this series Here and Now. That's why we name our building project Here and Now because we're not just looking off to some future when our building's done and saying, oh, won't that be great? No, today's great. Even in this small little facility where the bathrooms are awful and the hallway's crazy and it's crowded, even today, God's at his best and he's doing his best right here, right now in our midst. And so that's what we looked at, part one and part two of this series. If you missed either of those, I'd encourage you, wherever you listen to podcasts, if you're on YouTube, go and check those out, especially part one. Part one kind of gives the layout for where we stand in our building project, everything we've accomplished, and everything that's yet to come. So it's really exciting stuff to see our updates. But today, today, as we get ready to close this thing out, where we're going to be uh, focusing our study is the book of Daniel, the book of Daniel. So if you have a Bible and you want to follow along, we're going to be in Daniel chapter one and Daniel chapter three. We're going to start in Daniel chapter one and verse 11, but let me give you some context before we hop in and start reading. So the book of Daniel starts off and it tells uh, this story about this young man, Daniel, this, this Hebrew, this uh, one of God's people who has been taken off to this distant land, the land of Babylon, the Babylonian empire. They came in uh, and just completely laid waste to the nation of Israel. Israel had sinned and God just removed his hand of protection and boom, they get knocked out by this nation, the Babylonians. Uh, they come in and, and they're, they're a smart nation too. They're a smart nation because you see what they do? They don't just come in and just indiscriminately kill everybody, they're smart. They come into a country that they conquer and they take the best and brightest back to Babylon. It's pretty smart, right? They get them, they indoctrinate them, they do what they need to do. And so that's exactly what happens to this man named Daniel and not just to Daniel, but to his three friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. You may know them better as Shadrach, Meshach, Meshach. And a Bendigo. Or if you're a VeggieTales kid, you know them better as uh, Rack, Shack, and Benny, right? Rack, Shack, and Benny. Um, but they're, all of these people, they're taken off to Babylon. They're taken off to Babylon, and the indoctrination begins. And hey, you're here now. You're going to become like one of us because we want you in our administration. We want you working in our country because you are the best, you are the brightest. And so they start trying to indoctrinate them, and this is where we pick up In verse 11, uh, one of the ways that they indoctrinate them is by giving them the best of foods. Because how bad can this nation really be? I know they came in and took over our, our, our nation, but man, they can't be bad. Look at this food they're giving us, right? So that's where we pick up verse 11 of Daniel 1. It says this, Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said, Uh, uh, something that Daniel said and no one ever in the history of the world has since repeated, right? Like, don't test me on a diet of nothing but vegetables and water, like, give me something else. But you see, Daniel, the reason he's saying this in this moment is because he knows that the food that the Babylonians are offering him and his friends is defiled food. This is food that has been offered up and it's been prayed over by false pagan gods. And Daniel knows that to eat this food would be to bow the knee to this false god. So he can't do it. He says, you know what? Instead, please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. At the end of those 10 days, verse 13, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and he tested them for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king, which is good news for this attendant because this attendant is in charge of Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He's he's in charge of them. And so if the king comes and checks them out and sees they're looking pretty rough, guess whose head is not figuratively, but literally on the chopping block? The attendant's. So he's like, whew, thank goodness these guys are looking good, better than the people who were eating the food assigned by the king. Verse 16, so after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of food and wine provided for the others. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom, and God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. When the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them 10 times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. It's amazing, right? It's an amazing story, and it feels like right there is where the credits should just roll. Like, and it's over, and God was faithful, and things were good, and Daniel, Hananiah, and Mishael, and Azariah, they they just lived on the rest of their days, blessed, and they were able to influence. It feels like that's where the story ends, like that's where the credit rolls, Um, but that's not where the story ends. The story continues, and if you've been following God for any period of time, honestly, even if you haven't been following God, you know that getting past one battle doesn't mean the battles are over, does it? There's always another one coming. There's always something else coming. And for those of us who have placed our faith and our trust in Jesus, you know that your faith was never intended to be final in a moment, that it's intended to be something that continues, that you keep taking step after step after step of faith into the future, trusting in God. And what we're about to see as we continue reading from Daniel is exactly that, that no, faith isn't final It's not something that you can just do in one moment and you just hold on to that for the rest of your life and just squeeze as much out of that moment as you can for the rest of your life. No, you have to have a faith that can move forward. It's our sermon title for today if you're someone who takes notes, the faith to move forward, the faith to move forward. Um, So it's good to look back at our past, right? That's what we did last week. Who's had God bless the broken road stuck in your head all week? Anybody? Who has it stuck in your head now, because I just did that and brought it back (laughs) up, right? Um, So this last week, our sermon title was God Bless the Broken Road, and and we talked about how uh, whenever we look back, whenever we look back in our history, our personal history and our corporate church history, that when we look back, we can look at all these these heartbreaks and all these long-lost dreams, right? Like all all these things that, man, we didn't want to go that way, and it hurt, and it was difficult, and, and now, though, now that we're on the other side of all that, we can look back and go, you know what? God bless the broken road. like Because all of these things, no matter how difficult and hard they were, we see how they led to where we are now and we see what God is doing in our midst right now and it's incredible. And so we can be happy and we can be thankful by looking back at our past. We can celebrate over our past, right? Or we can cry over our past. <laughs> we, can, we can look back at some of the stuff that's happened and been like, man, this is hard. This is difficult. This is draining. with The things that we've been through, the things that we've seen, the, 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 the hardships, the, the brokenness, it's, it's, it's difficult. We can celebrate over the past. or We can cry over the past. Actually, my cousin Caleb and I, uh, uh, he's our executive director here at Cornerstone. Uh, we, we went to Atlanta this past week we were going down there for a conference called the Rethink Leadership Conference. It's part of a bigger one called Orange. So we went down to Atlanta, and we were down there, had a great time, we're getting ready for our flight back. We get to Atlanta-Hartsfield, biggest, busiest airport in the in the world. It's, 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 it's insane. It's like its own city. So we get through security and everything there. Uh, we get to our gate, and we're waiting for, you know, our, our plane to start boarding. And as we're sitting there, we get the update on our phone. Like a little bink comes through. It says our flight has been delayed. It's supposed to leave at 8.05, now it's pushed back to like 9.05. Like, oh, that's frustrating, right? Like, oh man, it's kind of frustrating. And we start having a conversation and he's like, yeah, I've had my flights delayed a few times before. I'm like, same here. Like, I've, I've had a delay of like an hour. I think the most was like two hours. Like, I've never had a flight canceled though. Like, I've never had anything like that. Caleb, like, ooh, I have, it's, it's not fun. Kind of leaves you in this no man's land where you have to decide, do I wanna stay at the airport? Do I wanna leave and have to go through security and everything again? He's like, it's not, it's not a good time. So we're talking about that. Starts getting closer to nine o'clock and the phone one more time, bing, (laughs) another update. Our flight has been delayed now to 920. (laughs) We're like, okay, it's 15 minutes. That's not bad. About five minutes later, bing, another update. Our flight has been delayed to 1040. Now we're getting nervous. (laughs) Like Now we're like, ooh, this isn't isn't good. What's going on? And so we're, we're, we're talking like, what do we, I mean, I guess we just keep hanging out. Let's find a more comfortable place to work. So we found a place and we're working there and we're watching the NFL draft and then how we get the last update. Another update comes through. Our flight's been pushed to 11.20. Like, 11.20, gosh, man, we'd like, we just want to get home. Like, we just want to get home. So, you know, as it's getting closer to 11.20, we're, like, not even talking to each other. Like, we don't want to jinx it. We're like, no, don't even, don't even make a joke about what if it gets pushed again. Like, just no talking about it. So, sure enough, We get to it and they're like, uh, they start boarding and people are clapping. They're like, yay! (laughs) Like, we're we're getting on the plane. So we get on the plane, we're on the plane, and uh, the pilot comes over and says, hey, uh, thanks so much for putting up with everything. We've got a crew uh, that's manning this flight, and the crew is made up of people who aren't even supposed to be here. Everyone's shift already ended but we're determined to try to get you guys home tonight, so that's why we're here. We're just waiting on a first officer, so just give us a few moments. We're like, this is awesome, great. So we're sitting on the plane. I'm just checking out my phone. I'm, you know, I'm doing whatever. About 10 minutes pass, and I see an update come through my phone, but it's not anything like saying that the, it's not the same kind of update. I open it up, and it's a little barcode. I'm like, oh, what's that? It says it's a voucher for a free hotel room. <laughs> Yikes, Like that's, that's not a fun message to get. And sure enough, I mean, I'm looking at it, and before I can even say anything to Caleb, I hear, boom, comes over and, oh, ladies and gentlemen, I am so sorry to do this to you, but we're gonna have to deplane. Like, your flight is just canceled tonight. It's gotten moved to seven o'clock in the morning, and we're just so frustrated. At this point, it's way past midnight. We're like, what is going on? Like, So then we find ourselves in this like no man's land. We get off the plane. And we're, we're, we're sitting there and we're trying to decide what to do. Like, we're like, what do we do? Do we stay here? Like, do we stay in the airport or do we try to leave? Because if we leave, by the time you get through security and you get a ride and you get to the hotel and you check in and everything like that, we're getting maybe two hours of sleep at most before we have to get back and go through security and everything again. So we're like, what do we, what do we even do? And in that moment, like, it hit me, us talking about this earlier, that, like, I was celebrating the fact that I had never been and if I've never been a part of a canceled flight. He was crying and lamenting over the fact that he had and how like, frustrated it was. But in that moment, it kind of dawned on me, like, well, this is different. <laughs> what we're facing, I haven't faced it before. And what we're facing, you actually haven't faced it before in this kind of capacity. And so w- we're not really gonna be able to build off of our previous experience on this. This is a completely new moment. This is a completely new moment, and we just have to make a decision. Like, we we gotta, you know, we gotta make a decision. Are we gonna stay here? Are we gonna leave? We're in this moment where we're realizing, you know what? We can celebrate the past, we can cry about the past, but we can't construct a new plan in the past. (laughs) Like, we can't live back there anymore, talking about where we've been. We're in a new moment, we're facing a new situation, and we've gotta come up with what we're going to do. Do you know the same thing is true with you and me, like in our personal lives, not just whenever it comes to like flights or anything like that? You can't build a life for yourself living in the past. You can't do it. You can't build a life building off of what they said, what happened, what you did. Like you, you, you can't do it. You, you, you cannot build a life based off your past. You've got to move past it at some point. You can't stay stuck there because you cannot build a life for yourself. You cannot construct a life for yourself stuck in the past. It's true for you and it's true for our church. Like guys, we're not at 578 Killian anymore. Don't know if you've noticed. We're not at Coventry Elementary anymore. We're at 2445 South Arlington and we've got to work with where we're at to walk into the future that we know God has in mind for us. We can't be all the glory. Remember how it was? Remember how it was? Yeah, how is it now? What's God doing now and how can we partner with him in these moments to advance into a future that we never could have imagined? You can celebrate over the past, you can cry over the past, but you cannot construct in the past. You can't build your life just by sitting in your past. Daniel's friends are about to find that out. You see, it's a really nice moment whenever we see in Daniel 1.15, at the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. That's a great moment. That's an awesome moment. It's a really nice moment where God shows up and and God's faithful and they look better and everything seems to be good and fine and dandy. That's a moment, but guess what? That moment is passing. Because did you know what comes after Daniel chapter 1? Daniel chapter 2 and then Daniel chapter three, and then Daniel chapter four. They don't say stuck or frozen in that moment. Life continues, time continues. Things continue to happen, there's new obstacles, there's new things coming. I cannot construct my future by just staying in my past. I haven't mentioned a Marvel movie in a really long time, so I figured, I was like, I gotta try to fit it in today. I'll shoehorn this bad boy in today if I can, right? Um, So in Avengers Endgame, Avengers Endgame, in this movie, you know, you've got the Avengers, and they're trying to do their best to undo this terrible thing that Thanos did. He's the main villain. He's knocked out half of the universe, just completely, like, killed half the universe. It's crazy, and so they're deciding, you know what, We're, we're gonna undo this. We're gonna undo what he's done, and so they're able to find out how to time travel. They go into the past, They find the Infinity Stones to come back into the future to undo the bad that Thanos has done, right? They're going to the past to try to build a new future. It's an awesome plot point. It's really cool for the movie. It's cool to go back and like you relive some of the moments from the Avengers movies over the years and all the Marvel movies and it's really cool. It's a really cool plot point. It's a terrible way to try to live. And a lot of us try to live that way. Stuck in the glory days stuck in what they said to you, stuck in what happened to you, just stuck in the past. You cannot construct a future that you want by living in the past. Even even good things, can I tell you even good things? Because a lot of that, you know it, and you'll say yes and amen when I talk about the mean things that people did, and you're like, yep, can't hold on to that, Pastor Jacob, gotta let that go. Even the good things, can I tell you, can I put it out there that even the good things, even the way God's shown up for you, even those, we need to start taking new steps of faith forward. That might sound a little crazy to you. You might think like, wait, what? Even the good stuff? We kind of leave that in the past? Yes, and I'm going to build my argument as we continue reading from the book of Daniel. This is, this is what I would want to say, and I know it sounds kind of controversial, but stay with me. It's time for us to prune our past. It's time for us to prune our past. It's time for us to move past the past, even the positive past, because this is what I would wager. You will be unable to proceed into the future God has in mind for you. You will be unable to proceed if you're unwilling to prune. You will be unable to proceed if you are unwilling to prune. You see, Daniel's buddies, they're about to find themselves thrust into a new moment. And let me tell you, this is going to be a tad bit more difficult than rejecting some food at a dinner table, where they're gonna find themselves in Daniel chapter three. If you have a Bible and wanna follow along, if not, we'll have the words on the screen. But in this moment, things start to get a little crazy. We're some years past Daniel and his friends rejecting the king's food. We're some years past this. Daniel was off. Theologians and scholars think he was somewhere else in the empire attending to business. And so Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, which are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they are here without Daniel. Daniel's gone, Uh, and in this moment, King Nebuchadnezzar decides, you know what? I'm so great, I'm so awesome, I'm so wonderful, let's make a big statue that worships me. Let's just make a big statue that pays glory to me, and how about this? Anybody who doesn't bow the knee to it, anybody who doesn't give me the praise and glory that I feel like I deserve, we kill them. That's simple, right? Simple for everybody else in the empire, not simple for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who follow the one true God. And so they're, they're thrust in the middle of this decision. When the music starts playing, they decide that they are not going to bow their knee to King Nebuchadnezzar and the statue of gold. And that's where we pick up this, what it says starting in verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage "'and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego "'be brought before him. "'When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, "'Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, "'that you refuse to serve my gods "'or to worship the gold statue I have set up? "'I will give you one more chance "'to bow down and to worship the statue I have made "'when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. "'But if you refuse, "'you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace.'" and then what God will be able to rescue you from my power. Scary moment. Terrifying moment. This is a moment um, where you can just think, well, yeah, you know, God's gonna do it again. God's gonna come through again. God's gonna move in power again because he did it before. God's gonna do it again. And I, like, whenever we read this, that's kind of where our mind goes. It's like, ooh, what's God gonna do? How's God gonna act? How's God gonna show up? But whenever I read it, I think, what are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego gonna do? You know, we know God. God's, God's a known commodity. We know he's faithful. We know he's good. We know he's powerful. How are they gonna respond in this difficult new moment that they find themselves? Are they going to have a different kind of faith than they had at the dinner table? Are they gonna have a stronger faith than the faith that they had at the dinner table? Are they going to have a bolder faith than the faith they had at the dinner table to move farther forward in their trust in God? Are they going to be able to prune the past, even the good things in the past, even the, the faith that they showed, are they able to go, you know what, that was good and that was righteous and that was holy what we did, but something different is required of us now a whole different level of faith, a whole different level of boldness and courageousness. Like, we're, we're gonna need something different. Were they willing to prune the past in this moment? Um, if you've ever watched a uh, shuttle take off, um, whenever they, they, they take off, have you noticed what gets them out of our atmosphere? What is it? Rocket exact, The rocket boosters. It's the rocket boosters. The rocket boosters are what get the, the shuttle Out of our atmosphere. You want to hear a crazy stat? I looked this up. The rocket boosters, whenever they are launching a shuttle from uh, from the land up through the atmosphere, rocket boosters burn through eleven thousand pounds of fuel per second. Per second. That's crazy. Like that's an absurd amount of fuel that they burn through. But guess what? What happens after they make it out of the atmosphere? What, What happens to those rocket boosters? They get pruned. (laughs) They they, they just shuttle them off. They they, they fall off. Because what got the shuttle out of our atmosphere, what powered the shuttle to get it to that point is not going to be what powers it the rest of the mission. What got it to this point, what saw it through up to this moment is not going to be what's going to be able to see it through the mission and see it back home safely. They have to cut it. They have to let it go. Do they let it go because the rocket boosters were bad? No, they let it go because they've served their purpose. But they're not what's needed and they're not what's gonna get them the rest of the way home. They need something different. In this moment, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego need something different. They need a stronger dose of faith than the one they showed before. They need a bigger uh, dose of faith than the one that they showed before, a deeper dose of faith than the one they showed before because the faith that they showed at the table is very different than the faith that's gonna be required at the furnace. Very different faith, very different faith. Can I tell you, church, for us, the faith that it's gonna take for us to take our next steps It's gonna be a different kind of faith than the one that got us here. And that was a crazy big faith, don't get me wrong. I mean, the faith that got us here is the faith that said, yeah, in the middle of a moment when no one's even allowed to meet in a building, guess what we'll do? Buy a building. And we'll buy a building that's too small for us on top of it. Isn't that great? A building that we have to launch a building campaign to, 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 to renovate and construct. That's a pretty big, bold faith. But I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, the steps of faith that we are getting ready to take that are just down the road. I mean, guys, we're, we're getting ready to break ground this year. Like, we're gonna be breaking ground. We're gonna be breaking ground on renovating and adding on here, uh, and it's, it's gonna put us into a whole different stratosphere. <laughs> going to put us into a whole different faith where we are going to need a different kind of faith, a deeper kind of faith. And can I tell you this? This is what I don't want you to walk away hearing today. I don't want you walking out of here and being like, okay, Pastor Jacob told me, forget the past. <laughs> like, just forget the past. Even the good things, even the good things that God's done, prune those, don't think about those, forget those. That's not what I'm telling you. I'm not telling you to, to, to prune and forget what God has done. That's not why we prune. That's not why we let go of even the great things that God's done in this past, Pruning the past isn't to forget what God has done, but to place faith in what God will do. That's why we prune. Not because we're saying, yeah, forget what God did, it wasn't even that good. No, we're we're pruning the past and we're walking in faith forward, not because we're trying to forget, but because we know He's gonna come through again. We, We know He's gonna move again. We know He's gonna see us through again. We just need a different approach. We need a different kind of faith. You know, uh, do we have any green thumbs in the room? Anybody? Yikes, that's bad, man. We got like one person, and even the one was like a maybe. I don't know, like maybe. <laughs> okay, so if you, know, if you know gardening or anything like that at all, you know that whenever you prune a, a, a fruit-producing bush, a fruit-producing tree, why do you prune it? That is exactly you, you don't prune it because it's dead, right? No, no, no. You don't prune it because it's been a, br- a bad tree or bush. You prune it, you cut it precisely because it's been producing fruit. That's why you cut back. That's why you trim. That's why you shear. That's why you prune, because it has been fruitful and you want it to produce more fruit, That is why I am telling us, you know what, we need to prune our past, even the good things, because we need to make room for what God's going to do. Because we need to be willing to say, I'm not just going to cling to what God's done. I'm going to have faith enough to take a step forward, trusting that he'll do it again. I have enough faith that, that I can let go of this life preserver because I know something else is coming. And that is hard for a lot of us. By goodness, especially in church world, that is really hard for us, but we have gotta get to this point where we don't cling to the past anymore, but we can advance into the future because we have faith and trust in what God will do. Uh, So my little guy, Griffin, my little buddy, uh, whenever me and him play, our favorite game to play together, favorite game, Buzz Lightyear game, Buzz Lightyear game, it's what he asks me all the time. Like the second he sees me, he's like, daddy, yells. And then we play Buzz Lightyear game. And then he does this little thing. He's been doing this thing where like he begs. He'll, he'll say like, uh, Buzz Lightyear game. And he puts his little hand on him. Mm? And you're like, how do you say no to that, right? So we play Buzz Lightyear game and he loves this. And what Buzz Lightyear game is, is I'm Zerg. I'm the evil Emperor Zerg, sworn enemy of the Galactic Alliance. And little buddy, my, my, my little Griff, he is Buzz Lightyear. And what we do, this is how we play. This is how we used to play whenever it first started. We would go up into me and Jessica's bedroom, and on the bed, you know, I'd kind of pick him up and just toss him and grab some pillows and hit him, and he's shooting his laser at me and stuff like that, right? And we're just fighting for a little bit, and it's so much fun, it's a blast. That's that's how things started. Where we're at now is wildly different from where we were then, (laughs) because then I'm gently throwing him and, you know, pillows like, ah, ha, ha, Now I am shot putting this kid across the room. Like I'm getting the full start and sending him off and he's flying across the room, right? Just floating across the room. Uh, and whenever I hit him with the pillows, I mean, we're knocking each other like crazy. We're hitting each other hard and it's a blast, right? It's my wife's least favorite game. Jessica hates Buzz Lightyear games. Griffin just like disappear into the air and it's like, oh my gosh, this is bad, right? But we love it. Me and Griffin love it. We love this game. And I was thinking about it as I was preparing my sermon, especially on this point, that we prune the past not to forget what God has done, but because we have faith in what God will do. You know how often me and Griffin play the Buzz Lightyear game the way we did the first couple times? Zero. Never. <laughs> I don't no, I don't pick him up and barely t- I chuck that kid across the room. I throw him across the room like he owes me money, man. I'm like, oh, just chuck him across the room, right? Like I toss him and we play hard. We don't play like we used to play at all. Does that mean we didn't have fun then? Does that mean it was bad or wasn't good? Not at all. No. The reason we play the way we do now and Griffin has never wanted to play like that again is because he has faith in his father. He trusts me. He knows he's not gonna get hurt. He knows that I love him. He knows that I'm looking out for him. He knows that he can trust me. We have pruned the past distance because he has faith in his father. And he has been able to step into new ways of playing, into new ways of trusting me because he has faith in me. God wants to see the same thing out of his children. He wants to see us be willing to say, hey, I'm pruning the way I used to do things. I'm pruning the way I used to trust you because I trust you for bigger and better things now. Because I trust you in the hard moments. I don't just trust you um, whenever I, the chips are kind of down. I trust you with my diagnosis. I trust you with my finances. I trust you with my relationship. I trust you in all the big, huge, giant ways. I, don't, I didn't just settle for this faith. I am stepping and I have a faith that will move forward into deeper Waters, pruning the past isn't to forget what God has done, but to place faith in what God will do. And what I love whenever we play like this is that every throw that I have, every, every time I toss him, it's another chance that he shows he has faith in me. It's another time that he shows that he loves me, that he believes in me. I, I love that. And that's what I see in scripture is, man, every, every new moment, a new moment it, it requires new miracles, Every new moment requires another step of trust and a step of faith in God. New moments require new miracles. And we don't like that in church world, do we? Especially in church world, we don't like it. Because think about it, uh, uh, new moments and different moments and different obstacles we come up against require new miracles and new ways of God working. We love the old ways in church, don't we? They were good, (laughs) Because that old way, the old way we did vacation Bible school is how you got saved. And so you feel like the exact same method of how we used to do vacation Bible school needs to be the exact same way over and over and over and over again, right? And whenever we build our new facility, it's going to look like our old one, right? It's going to feel like our old one because, man, I, I love that and I love that. And, and we just we cling to this old way of doing things. The, the message always remains the same, but the methods have to change, right? We, we have to be able to prune the past and step into new things, and that can be hard in the church, and don't kid yourself, it can be hard in your own life. It can be hard to move past that old mindset because that old mindset has seen you through before. That old way of coping has seen you through before. That substance has seen you through before. That relationship has seen you through before. That way of doing things has seen you through before. And it's so difficult, it's so hard for you to let go of it and say, God, I'm gonna trust you. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm putting that to death and I'm stepping forward in life following you. That is hard to do. That is difficult to do. It requires a different level of faith than we may have ever shown before. But new moments require new miracles. New moments require new chances to trust in God. Do you know why in the book of Exodus, whenever we see God's people out in the wilderness wandering, do you know why God sent them manna, this this little flaky bread-like substance? God sends it to them, and it seems like the craziest thing because he sends them only enough for a day. But what? You got hundreds of thousands of people out here, God. Just like send the truckload, send the Costco amount of manna. Like just back that truck up and just dump it all out. Like we're good. But God gives them just enough and he even instructs them. He says, take enough for today only. Take enough for today only. It's almost as if from the very beginning, God has been saying, "I, I, I want you to trust me moment by moment. I want you to trust me step by step, day by day. I, I'm, I'm gonna have new moments come up in your life intentionally because they are gonna give you new opportunities to put your faith and trust in me again. I'm not gonna show up with one miracle for, for once in all of time where you never have to trust on me again. You just cling to that thing for, forever. You just cling to that one way I showed up for you and you never step out in faith. You never trust me again. No, no, no. He looks at Daniel and his friends and he says, yeah, you stepped out in faith and trusted me at the table. I'm gonna bring something else up. <laughs> I'm gonna keep having new ways for you to put your faith and your trust in me. Listen to how they respond to King Nebuchadnezzar whenever King Nebuchadnezzar threatens him. This is what it says in verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, "O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us, he will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we wanna make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. The new moment is here. It's knocking on their door, and this is the response that they gave. They said, hey, this is a new moment. Never been through anything like this before, but you know what? This new moment is a new chance to put my faith and trust in God for him to come through with a new miracle. This is a moment for me to place an even deeper faith in God than I had at that dinner table when I refused the king's food. This is a moment to put my faith and my trust in God in a bigger way in church that's coming for us. It's gonna get bigger here at Cornerstone. (laughs) We're already, I mean, we're getting packed out on Sundays, but let me tell you, when this building is done, when, when, when we finish this construction and renovation, we're gonna get bigger. We're gonna have a lot more influence. You know what happens when you get more big? You get more people. <laughs> you know what happens when you get more people? You get more issues, <laughs> more obstacles, more problems, more just ugh, right, like that's, that's what happens. It, there's great things to it and there's drawbacks to it. We have new challenges coming our way that right now it feels like it's never gonna get bigger and more challenging than renovating this building and building a new one. Like that's whoo, that's gonna be our pinnacle and whenever it's done, credits roll. No, it's just, the movie's just starting when that happens. Like we are just, we are just at the outset of our ministry. Like we are just scratching the surface of what God wants to do through our church. And let me tell you, there are bigger fish coming down the road. Like it's, it's about to get crazy. It's about to get hard. It's about to get difficult. It's about to get just, ugh. but every single one of those moments is going to be a new moment to place our faith and trust in God for a new miracle. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. New moments require new miracles. New moments require new steps of faith and trust in God. And here's what happens. I know this to be true because I face these. (laughs) When those new moments come up, you know what comes with them? It may be a new moment, but it's the same fear. It's the same fear. Fear that manifests in these two words, what if. Whew, well, what Okay, yeah, I know God came through at that dinner table. We rejected the king's food, but God came through. But what if he doesn't this time? What, what if he doesn't? I know he did there, but this is a bigger step of faith. And what if God doesn't come through in the way that we were hoping he would come through? Listen to what happens after they reject the king, after they turn him down, listen to what starts to happen. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. I think I saw the same look on some of the people coming off of my flight as they were making their way to the Delta customer service desk. Just a face distorted with rage. The king commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. You have to imagine this, this is happening. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are just sitting there watching this, watching the furnace get hotter, going, Whew, we sure about this? Maybe we, maybe we fake bend the knee. Maybe we just go down, but we don't actually touch the ground, and it throws them off, and you think that was, that was good enough? I, I don't know. Verse 20, then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the furnace. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king and his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. That's how hot it was. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. I mean, think about it. In that moment, can, can we just can we remind ourselves these people weren't perfect. We have a way of sensationalizing people in Scripture to act like they were so wildly different. These were people. That, like what we're reading here; these are actual historical accounts. These are real people who really did feel fear. Imagine what's going through their mind in this moment as they're getting tied, and as it's going on, you're going, "Whoa." This didn't happen, like, remember at the dinner table how things were, remember how God, like, we didn't even have to face the king. Like, we got 10 days to eat a certain way and then we looked good and we were just good to go. This This is completely and utterly different than anything we have ever faced before. They stepped forward in faith and things went wildly different than they expected. Imagine the fear. Imagine the what if and how the what if feels like it's about to become a what will happen to us that we're about to be burned alive because we wouldn't bow our knee to anybody else but God. And what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are about to learn is what we are all gonna learn in our life. Chances are, if you've even remotely been alive for any period of time, if you have a pulse running through your veins, you know this to be true, is that when you find the faith to move forward, when you step forward in faith, you will find out God occasionally delivers from the fire. Occasionally. God occasionally delivers from the fire. He occasionally uh, delivers you before the king even gets a chance to see you and the king's great and he thinks that what happened was awesome. God occasionally delivers from the fire. God often delivers through the fire. And man, that's a hard, uncomfortable truth. We don't wanna hear it because we were promised. You follow God and you give things up and you get the, you get the Ferrari and you get the big house and you get the, you get the promotion and things are good. Man, a lot of times when you have the faith to step forward, you get arrows. You get burned. You get hurt. It, it, it's, it's not what you think sometimes to take that big step of faith forward. God occasionally delivers from the fire. God often delivers through the fire. How many people know that's true? Did, I mean, you, you know? Yeah, you smell like smoke. <laughs> I know some of, you, some of you are just fresh out the fire. Some of you are still in the fire right now. In the fire of a relationship choice, of something at work, of something with your faith, of something with your health, you know this is true. You know this is true. Cornerstone, come on. Like, us as a church, not just us as individuals, us as a church, has there ever been a church that more fully exemplifies the fact that God occasionally delivers from the fire, but he often delivers through the fire? We've been firewalking our whole life, man. Like we just, we've been walking from fire to fire. It's been difficulty after difficulty and hardship after hardship for, for a long time. It's been hard. We know this is true, but we also know that the faithfulness of God is true. We also know that the goodness of God is true. So we know because of the fires that we've been in, the fires that we're in now and the fires to come, that God sees us through. We also know this. We we know not just that God sees us through. We know how to forge a faith that can last in the fire. Do you know this? Do you know that the, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the faith that they had to move forward, the faith to step into their future, do you know where that faith was forged? I can tell you this. That faith, a faith to move forward is not forged in the fire. It's forged in the familiar. It's forged in the familiar. It's forged in just the everyday decision to die to self and to live to Christ. That's when that faith is forged. And I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I'm telling you right now, when the devil comes knocking at your door is not the time to say, okay, let me start building my faith. That is not the moment. When the diagnosis comes and then suddenly, whoo, our God is an awesome God. Like, that's not, that's not the moment to start Yeah, I'm forging my faith. You forge your faith in the familiar and when the furnace comes, you are ready. You have a faith that's ready, a faith that's ready to stand up. What does that look like? That looks like you being in scripture today. You loving like Jesus today. You praying today. You worshiping today. That's what it looks like to have a, a just a diet of faithfulness. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if they would have not been feeding their faith, if they would have just walked up to that moment, they are just like you and me. They're not superheroes. They would have bowed. But they had a faith that wasn't forged in the fire. They had a faith that was forged in the familiar. So when the furnace came, it didn't matter if you heated that thing seven times hotter. They're not bowing. It doesn't matter what you threaten them with. They're not going to be scared. Because they have a faith that moved forward. They had a faith that was forged in the familiar. You see, that's, that's what I've been learning. i, I, I with, If you have been with us for any period of time, you know I had a few health scares last year. At least that's what I thought it was. I had to call the paramedics a couple times, thought it was something with my heart. The more and more that I've gotten tests done, it looks like, I mean, my, my numbers are great. Like not even in the kind of like, you know, they're not even in the like kind of good but could be better. Like almost every single one is right at the ideal. Like everything was fine. I wore the heart monitor. Everything was fine on that. What they've pretty much said is like, look, we just think you're having really, really bad anxiety attacks. Like, that's what we think this is. That's what it probably is. It's that feeling where you look like you're gonna black out and you see a tunnel and your heart's going crazy. I mean, my heart rate was going up in like the 190s. I mean, crazy, crazy stuff. And that's probably what it was. I've had two really, really bad anxiety attacks. And as I've been reading on it, I'm like, okay, well, how do I handle this? Because <laughs> don't wanna go through those again. <laughs> like, I've never experienced anything like that. And it was some of the most it's frightening thing. I thought I was dying. It was crazy, just crazy. I'm like, so how do I how do I do this? How do I handle it? And they're like, well, I mean, when it comes up, there is like medication that if you start feeling it, that you could get where it like whew, helps you and helps you calm down. But honestly, the best way to handle it is reduce your anxiety. <laughs> right? Like, like do things do things in the daily walk of life to reduce your anxiety. Don't wait for the, I mean, yeah, you can get medicine when the moment comes, but don't don't wait for that. Start taking daily steps. Start doing things that you know you need to do to reduce your anxiety before it even comes. The faith to move forward is not forged in the moment it's here. It's forged in the daily, boring, mundane, familiar life. It's born in just every day. There's those small steps of saying, I'm pruning the past and I'm taking a step of faith forward. I'm pruning the past and I'm taking a step of faith forward because I know he's seen me through before. He's gonna see me through again. That's exactly what Daniel's friends would find out. Let me read our last little bit of scripture today. So they're thrown to the furnace, verse 24. But suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men, unbound, walking around in the fire, unharmed, and a fourth looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace, and he shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out, come here. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire and the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. The Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any God except their own. They had the faith to move forward. They had the faith to say, you know what? God showed up for us before, but he's gonna gonna show up in a different way. It's not gonna look the way it looked last time. It 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 could look a different way, and we're gonna be ready for it because we know he's gonna deliver us. We know he's gonna see us through because he's a faithful God, so we're gonna take that step forward. We're gonna move our faith forward, and this is what they found, and I promise you this is what you're gonna find if you do the same thing. When I find the faith to move forward, I find I have a friend in the fire. When I make that decision to finally let go of that one time that God came through for me, and I'm just holding on to it for dear life, it's just this one thing that He did, but I'm never taking another step, step because this is good. Like, I, I started tithing when I was little because that's just what my parents did, and so I just did it, and that's, that's all I do. Like, that's literally all that I really do, but I'm holding on to that and going, hey, God, look. Remember how I trust you with this? Isn't that that great? And God's saying, yeah, that's great. Keep doing it, but time to step forward. (laughs) Because there's a lot of other things in your relationships, at work, in the way that you think. There's a lot of other things that you do not have the faith to move forward yet. And I promise you, it's because you're scared of the fire. It's because you're scared of what if. And I am telling you, if you just prune that clinging to the past and you step forward in faith, no matter what fire comes, you're gonna have a friend in the midst of it. You're gonna have...